Hey, do you have some old patients on a list that you want to reactivate? Well, a couple of our users ran into the same issue, and they use Clinic Gym Connect to help make this process easier. So I'll let them tell you all about it here. You know, I've been in practice eight years, and, and I can tell you for sure there's people who haven't been in, in six, seven years. As a one-man show, I couldn't follow up with people. It was just on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And so when Mark came on, this is a guy who's here to get stuff done, and I'll leave it up to, to him from there. Off the bat, it was pretty overwhelming just looking at a, a base of 2,000-plus old patients that uh, haven't been in, like Dr. Carson said, in some even six years. Yeah. So I would go into our EHR, pull out a couple months at a time, tag them, put them on the dialer, send out some texts introducing myself, and whether they respond or not, go through, call them. A lot of people um, would say, hey, how are you guys doing? Like, how's Dr. C? Haven't seen you guys in a while. It's funny. I was just thinking about you the other day. And then a couple of good ones were, uh, oh, you know, I'm good. But uh, my cousin, my friend, my coworker, my wife, they've been having some back pain for a while. So glad you called. I was just thinking about you guys. Like they said, it's not just reactivations. It's also referrals and getting those new patients in. When they send their friends, their loved ones, their spouse, their partner, whoever it is, they want you to take care of them because they know, like, and trust you. So if you want to do this in your own practice, check out clinicgymconnect.com and we can help you reach out to those people. It only takes a few clicks of the mouse and those people will be coming in and sending their friends. If you're interested in more, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Dr. Rebecca Deo. Rebecca, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. So Rebecca is a chiropractor out in uh, beautiful, is it Grand Rapids? Grand Falls? Yes. Grand Rapids, Michigan. But you're also the host of your own podcast as part of a bigger project that you're kind of undertaking. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Absolutely. So the podcast is called Better Doctor Project. And our claim to fame is honestly just being a digital platform for the kinds of knowledge that we wished we would have had during our training. So for all of those things involving being a healthcare provider that we wish we would have learned sooner. So how to better communicate with patients, how to do an exam on a patient that is of a really unique demographic or culture, how to handle those really difficult conversations and situations in practice. That's really what we cover. We're all about education and learning from multiple healthcare fields. So our, chiro our chiropractic focus is not really on chiropractic. We have a lot of chiropractic listeners, to be honest, but we're trying to learn from all fields. So we have surgeons that come on, primary care, nurses, physical therapists, the whole spectrum. Um, and our goal is just to really learn from one another and grow to be better providers. I love that. Yeah, I love that because there's so much that uh, just everybody deals with, whether you're in mental health or dentistry or chiropractic, like talking to a patient, getting them to be honest with you and really delving into what are their fears and what are their goals. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't matter what your license is, but I guess for you, it's just 
Bring a license to the door and we'll let you pass, right? As long as you Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. As long as you're in healthcare, healthcare there's yeah. something we can learn from you is what, is what we've learned. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I know that you've done quite a few episodes and I'd encourage everybody to go listen to, find it, The Better Doctor Project. And we'll try and put a link in the show notes here. But I'd love to dive in on, come, sign up, uh, on kind of some of the highlights that you've seen over, uh, over your time doing this and maybe some surprises and, and whatnot. So first off, let me ask you this. Of all the guests that you've had, I'm sure that you have some uh, that that you love and some I, I know from doing a podcast, some people that you think are going to be amazing or maybe it's a bad day or something. They're just not super exciting. <laughs> and then oftentimes the ones that you don't think are going to be that amazing blow your doors off. Uh, have you had that experience and who was one that maybe blew your doors off? Yeah, so two people jumped to mind. Um, so I'll mention the first one. Her name is Claire Phillips, and she is a nurse. And um, I believe she actually got her doctorate recently, too. She just graduated with that. Um, So she is just this outstanding human being. Her passion involves a combination of nursing, social work, and systems change. Um, So she's all about hospital administration and healthcare reform in general. And she came on, and I tell you what, it was one of those podcast episodes that could have gone on for five hours. I mean, she is just a wealth of knowledge. And she's the kind of person that you listen to her speak and you're like, I could get up and cure cancer right now. I could get up and become the president. <laughs> like, She's just so inspirational. And she was on one of our early episodes. And that was really when I realized that Better Doctor Project could be something really great and that we would be able to reach so many people. Um, and then the second one was a surprise. So <laughs> we, uh, we've been doing a current series about the Enneagram, which is a personality typing system. And for my Enneagram three, it was a dentist that was going to come on and chat with us. And the Enneagram three is a personality that is very high achieving, all about success and fame and image and just really putting your best into the world and trying to like reap the benefit of that. Um, They're very motivated by success. And so I knew kind of what I was getting into personality wise, but what I didn't know is how great of a speaker he was because I Mm. knew he had never done a podcast before. So when you... When you have a guest who's never been on a podcast before, you're like, okay, this will this will be all this will be all right. You know, they're a healthcare provider. I'm sure they know how to speak somewhat. But boy, he started talking, and my jaw about hit the floor. <laughs> um, wow. This this man could have his own school on healthcare. Like he could have his own anything in the world. He's so eloquent. He's so smart. Um, so we actually invited him to come back and we're going to do a, a full series literally just with him. Um, his biggest skill set is actually on building a, a practice and managing staff, being the best boss you can possibly be and creating a business that thrives. Uh, he actually is part of a dental franchise out in Colorado. And boy, he's just intelligent. I can't wait to have him back on. But I was not expecting that going into, you know, the Enneagram 3 episode at all. Yeah, when you were describing that personality type, I would worry that it would be be a little ego-driven and me, 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 me. But it sounds like he kind of funneled all that energy into how can I empower everyone around me? Exactly. It, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. His name's Jay Miller. And uh, if you are checking out the podcast, stay tuned because we're going to have a really awesome series with him coming up this winter. Awesome. But his the original episode with him is out and available? It is. Yep. It's our most recent episode, actually. It's specifically okay. on the Enneagram 3 and how he's been able to use that to mm-hmm. channel his strengths in practice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So so those are your favorite guests or, or ones that really impressed you. I shouldn't say favorite. Of course, you're a mom, so you there are my favorites, right? But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so different question now. So you've kind of um, uh, talked to people from different 
healthcare backgrounds and licenses and and certainly you know that doesn't tell the whole story like a nurse for example could be a stroke rehab nurse or could be a, a working in the NICU or could be doing home health right there's mm-hmm. a lot of different aspects and as you've gone through that working with all these different healthcare types what has struck you as some similar threads or similar struggles we all have because we're all dealing with people we're all dealing with some sort of administration whether it's a chiropractor billing to an insurance company or that nurse reporting to her, you know, hospital administrators, whatever it is. But what are the more common threads that seem to be issues facing healthcare in general? So to be honest, this one also surprised me because I think it's very easy sometimes to feel trapped in your chiropractic bubble. And, you know, there is some negativity in our profession and we hear a lot of, you know, woe is me. Chiropractic is so hard insurance hates us. The medical profession hates us. You know, there's a lot of negativity. And sometimes even though it's a minority, it can feel like a majority sometimes. And I've realized that doing this, since doing this podcast, that I'll be doing an interview very often with medical providers and they will bring up insurance companies dragging them down. They will bring up the fact that they couldn't order XYZ test for a patient because it keeps getting denied, even though it's obvious that patient needs that. Um, they'll bring up the fact that they feel like at each patient visit, they are limited in what they can do because they have to check boxes off instead of provide, you know, great patient care. And I think the first couple of times it happened, I was like, okay, like can't be as bad as us though. Right. But now the more river buddy, right. We have it the worst. (laughs) Exactly. And then I'm realizing it comes up with every single field. And I think that was a huge shock to me. And it it really, um, you know, there's, there's a reason why our healthcare system does need to change. And that's one of many, but it's happening to everyone. Yeah. I, that, that's funny. You say that you reminded me, I did a survey. I got paid by this software company to do a survey of chiropractors back in the day. And I think I I can't, I contacted like 45 offices across the entire country. Right. And one of the most common lines I heard was, I don't know what you've heard about chiropractic in Michigan or in Colorado or in, you know, Mississippi. They would fill in their state, but insurance repayments are really low. It would always end with that statement, right? Mm -hmm. And it led me to believe, like, I don't know if we all have the wrong perspective of what is a high insurance because it's like, where is the Shangri-La where you think people are just getting no pre-auths, 24 visits out of the gate, do whatever you want with them, and each visit pays $150 like that. I just don't mm-hmm. think that place is there anymore. Mm-hmm. But we perceive it to be, oh, the pressure is on me or my county, my my practice, my state. Yeah, and it's like no, that's just everybody. You know, yep. that's just everybody. We're all fighting the clock. We all want to provide better care, but you know, the the minutes it takes is always a direct conflict, and so there's a lot of difficulty there. Yeah, so yeah. it's funny that you see that, but glad to know we're not the only ones. You know, definitely, it's been yeah. eye opening for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, I was talking to um, uh, a PT who, who's like a business coach for PTs. His name's Paul Goff. And I, I interviewed him on the podcast a few years ago. And he, was, he said, I wish more PTs were like chiropractors. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and he said, yeah. In, in PT, he was saying, everybody expects to get out and get a job with a hospital. So when they start their own practice, they underestimate how much they rely on established systems and processes and whatever. And he says, Mm -hmm. chiropractors aren't like that. Chiropractors are very independent 
from mm-hmm. the start. And your assumption is, I'll probably have my own office. Maybe not at first, but I'll have it at some point. I'll work for yeah. myself or whatever. And he said, yeah. And the chiropractors mm-hmm. in his program typically do really well because of that independent mindset of like, I can do anything I want. Right. He said he's Knowing that will be handed to us. Yeah. And he said he's constantly trying to motivate his PTs saying, you can do whatever you want. You can start your own practice. And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't have a hospital referring me clients. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You can yeah. do it. And so we lose perspective of those advantages too, you know, that, hey, there, there are some great things that come along with chiropractic. So, yeah. and, and everything. I mean, I'm sure nurses, like that, that license is so wide open. It's amazing what you can do. Um, yeah. MDs, that license is so wide open. You can do, you know, uh, aesthetic uh, cosmetics, right? And you, yeah. can, you at the same time could be a pediatrician. It's mm-hmm. whatever. So <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. So um, as far as the, after talking to all these people, when you say like everybody has that feeling of being crunched for checking boxes and numbers and spreadsheets and algorithms and all that stuff. Yeah. What do you hear are the rewarding parts of healthcare? For those that are exuding that, you know, the ones where it's yeah. they're bright shining stars, what is it that keeps coming through? It's always relationships, always. And I think what's really cool is that it's every personality type that's saying that, you know, knowing at the end of the day, you changed someone's life in a certain way or that, you know, you were able to be there in that moment for a person, a human being. Um, I, I think that's just, that's the best part about any of these fields, mm-hmm. really. You know, we're... Yeah. And not no knock on any other profession, of course. Every profession serves a purpose, but it's different than just showing up to a cubicle every day and having yeah. zero face-to-face contact from a nine-to-five, right? right. Like, we're, we're literally in, engaging with so many people in one day. Multiply that by weeks and months and years. I mean, there's no way for us to even realize how many people we are impacting because even when we impact one patient, we're impacting their um, romantic relationship. We're impacting their relationship with their kids. We're impacting their social relationships, their work relationships, just by the care that we're providing them. It's, it's just, it's amazing how vast the reach of healthcare providers really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's exciting as well. And I, I love that you're bringing this up. I was recently, um, talking to somebody, our mutual friend, Katie, actually. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that she was reading a Brene Brown book and it said, assume for a second that everybody is doing the best job they can right now with the tools they have. Assume that in your relationship. And she said a lot of the, what ends up happening is a lot of the interpersonal disagreements go away because you realize this is the best this person can do right now Mm -hmm. because they're also studying. You don't, you know, you don't know they're going to night school for their master's and they're, you know, have a young a two-year-old at home and their their parents are a little sick and they're worried about this and that, you know, like all those things mount up to create that person in that conversation in front of you. And I think it's the same, like one thing we can all rely on when we refer to another provider or when that provider refers to us or whatever is everybody went to med school, chiropractic school, physical therapy, all every healthcare provider I've ever met in my life at some point said, I want to help people. I'm interested in helping people. And because of that, you can rely on the fact that at their core, they're probably doing that. So when they are tired or they, you know, my doctor only spends three minutes with me, I don't think that the problem is that that person is not interested in people. Mm-hmm. It probably tears them apart. They only get to spend three minutes with their patients and they wish they could spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes with them. But how can you help them or offer them a solution 
assuming that, you know, assuming mm-hmm. that that three minutes is in fact what they can do with the tools they have and with the time they have. Mm-hmm. And that certainly changes my perspective on when people refer or when I hear these stories, you know, and uh, I'm reminded constantly, like your, your successes don't walk into my office, right? If somebody comes into your office with back pain and you get them, get better rid of back pain, they don't go into anybody else's office. They, <laughs> so nobody has the perspective of your best clients, right? Right. But if somebody goes in for chiropractic and it doesn't really work, and they go to the physical therapist and they say, oh, I went to a chiropractor. It's easy to go like, oh, well, obviously chiropractic didn't work. It's like, no, it, do- it didn't work for that person. That's such a good point. The failures of my profession, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I would say, I don't know your clinical experience, but if, if, I were to, if you asked me my perspective on uh, epidural injections for low back pain, yeah. I would say yeah. it's horrible. It's not successful <laughs> at all, right? 80% of the... I've heard about 80% of them don't work, yet the success rate's way higher than that because the people who it worked on didn't pursue me to give uh-huh. them a second opinion on back pain, right? That's such an interesting perspective. I love that <laughs> so much. Yeah, and it's like, n- there's no way that 80% of people are not happy with their injections, uh-huh. right? Like, it just w- it's just <laughs> but 80% of them end up in a chiropractor office right. or physical therapy office or whatever. So, it's... Uh, it's it's interesting, and we always have to remember that, especially when you're do- giving somebody a second or third opinion. Is like, hey, everybody here wanted to get this patient better. So what's mm-hmm. going on? And maybe there's a we're not asking the right red flag questions, for example, right? Like, hey, there's a bigger problem here. That's why they're not getting better. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you that you know that they've been to three other providers? So, mm-hmm. anyways, I just think that's a yeah, an interesting point to remember. Um, so going back, uh, you know. You're, you, what year did you graduate chiropractic college? The end of 2017. Perfect. I graduated in 2000 and the end of 2006. So 11 years difference. Nice. And I, I always tell, I always say it was exciting when I graduated. It was novel. It was exciting to have a soft tissue tool in your pocket, like active release technique or Graston, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and nobody was really even talking about rehab. <laughs> I feel like now, Everybody graduating has a soft tissue tool or method. Like that's just uh, table stakes, right? That's just mm-hmm. par for the course. And they're starting to really talk about rehab, right? Yeah. And so if you think, if we were to go 10 years in the future from your graduation date, so 2027, which is crazy. And by the way, <laughs> my, my third grader just had this big party and they put up class of, I think, 2032. Oh, like, no. Take the sign down. <laughs> It's not feel good right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, it just looks so strange. It does. I'm like, wow, what is that? Like, uh, are you guys making a movie? What's going on here? You know? Yeah. So anyways, but if you think 10 years from now, from what you've heard in the podcast that you've done, um, the interviews you've had, what do you think will be the skill set? Let's just start with chiropractic and we can move to other health providers. But what do you think will be the skill set package they have? I really think uh, the skill set package that's kind of just starting to boom now and will definitely be booming 10 years from when I graduated will be the ability to basically co-manage patients and work well with a hospital system or an integrated office. It kind of started, um, I think, I feel like it honestly started around the time when I graduated, you know, the VA had really been gaining a lot of traction with their student clerkships and finally getting doctors involved in their systems. I think the official law for that passed in 2015. So it took a couple years to kind of get implemented. Um, But around the time I graduated, everyone was kind of 
you know, hush, hush talking about the VA and chiropractic, you know, hospital systems and chiropractic. Because every once in a while, you would hear of one chiropractor in a hospital system, but it was kind of a fluke situation. Mm-hmm. Now, especially on the East and West Coast, it's definitely becoming more prevalent. It's becoming more widely accepted. Uh, Jeff Langmade, of course, who we've talked about, um, is a great example of that as well and what he was able to do in multiple spine centers in Florida. Um, but I think if we look at, you know, the future I think it's going to become the norm for chiropractors to be involved on medical teams. We're seeing it on sports teams more and more. We're seeing it in primary cares more and more. Um, my, if I could add like my personal dream, I think we should be in every single urgent care. I think we should be in every single emergency department. No one's really talking about that a whole lot, but that's been a dream of mine since I was a kid. Like ever since I started exploring chiropractic, I'm like, why aren't we, why aren't we in urgent cares? Because I can remember just seeing patients wasting their time with musculoskeletal conditions in urgent cares and emergency departments and not really even getting the help that they want. Most patients who go to those places for things like back pain end up dissatisfied with the care that they received in the emergency department. It's just it's just kind of how it is. So I personally... And if you look at the studies of like what increases cost, decreases outcomes and whatnot. Yes. Um, and again, those emergency room doctors have, have the intention to help people. I'm not mm-hmm. faulting them. It's just the system. Totally. But if you look at when the studies come out and they're like early imaging significantly reduces outcomes, increases length of care, and increases cost. Mm-hmm. And you look at an emergency department, what's one of the first things they do in almost every case? Imaging. Yeah. And they do yeah. advanced imaging because they have that tool set. And why is that person showing up to hospitals? It's a decent red flag question, right? That gets a decent red flag filter of why did they go to all this effort to come to a hospital? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But it is funny. Like you look at the, the triage list and it's like every one of these top three choices is a way to increase costs and decrease outcome measures. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? It is so simple too, which is why it breaks my heart that we can't figure out. Like everything you just said is so spot on and it just requires common sense, but we've made healthcare appear so gray and we've made healthcare appear like, you know, it has to be more complicated than what it is. But in reality, like that's all that matters. We should be cutting costs where we can. We should be providing better patient care. We should be, you know, focused on patient satisfaction and outcomes. Like what matters more than patient outcomes? Like I will never, I'll never understand that. Like that should be our primary goal is getting people better. We should get paid more when we get people better. We should, <laughs> we should yeah. always be looking for the next change in our practice to increase patient outcomes. Um, so that's the future for me. I have always told my patients, I've always told anyone I've ever worked for that. I truly believe every single chiropractic new patient should either be an internal referral, AKA a family or friend, referred that person into your office um, or a a referral from another healthcare provider. I I truly believe that's the way it is. I've personally never worked at a practice where we pay, have paid to get new patients. I've never, um, I've never been a fan of, you know, some of those marketing sales kind of things where you're like, Hey, come see me as a chiropractor for $29. That'll include your adjustment, your exam, your x-rays, all of that. I've never been a big fan of that because to be honest, you're not showing that patient that they should value what you're going to do for them. Mm. And um, I would much rather have a patient come to me because they trust that I'm going to get them better and they trust the care that they're going to receive or their medical provider trusts that they can be sent to my office. Those are the kind of patients I want. Um, and I want to continue to provide that care to as many people as I can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic perspective. 
Rebecca, like what is the what is truly the measurement of success is is not how full is the office, but where did those patients come from and where is the demand? Because the number one, you talk to anybody that gets a lot of uh, MD referrals, for example, mm-hmm. when you ask, you know, they often say like the MD is, oh, finally, I have a solution for this. Mm-hmm. I have so many exactly. people come to my office with low back pain. It's mechanical. I know it's not a big part, big deal. I'm glad I have a solution. And, and it, it's interesting. You mentioned the VA earlier, the, the VA thought they had solved a problem by prescribing opioids. And then they mm-hmm. unfortunately learned how that problem is not the best solution and they paid a very expensive price. And now mm-hmm. what is one of the ways they're solving the opioid crisis? Yeah. Medication is going away in exchange for chiropractic, acupuncture, mm-hmm. hydrotherapy, exercise, sports trainers, et cetera. Yeah. All right. So you were saying the future is super bright in your eyes. That's encouraging to hear. Yeah. And, uh, I would love the the perspective from you as well. So you're, you're kind of seeing that future of the hospital involvement. And I think you're right on. (laughs) It's funny because the, you know, I'm, I always believe in a free market system. I think it, it shows you where things make sense. And if you look at some of these, like take Jeff Langmaid at the laser spine Institute, they were like, Hey, we need somebody that's, you know, well-trained can handle spine conditions and can make referrals. Um, but we can't afford to pay uh, orthopedic surgeon sitting on the phone all day. And then Jeff comes along with like, perfect. You have a full, full access license. You can make any referral you need. And you know, you understand like, what's, what are the, what does it mean when somebody's pain goes past their knee? You know, is that mm-hmm. more serious or is that just, you know, kind of serious, not serious at all. And he's like, Oh, that's easy. And uh, I think that, that, the reason they're in that is because they had, you know, they're dealing with a lot of money. And so they're like, Hey, we need to make this system work. And mm-hmm. their solution was get chiropractors involved. VA was the same way, right? Like we could, they could literally hire anything they want. They have federal budget. So yeah. federal budgets are not small. <laughs> and how did they solve their problem? It's like, Oh, let's hire chiropractors. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, that that's a great perspective. Anybody listening, especially if you're like just starting out or in the first few years of your practice, you don't really have like a all, ultimate, uh, what would you call that? Permanent location approaching an urgent care and saying, you know, could I, could I rent an office? You guys can refer to me whenever, but I'll also bring in my own patients. And that might be a great perspective because there's a lot of urgent cares that, and they, they've got to be dealing with that all the time. They've got to be seeing those people. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about that one. That's a, that might be the, the wave of the future. Yeah, it's always been my dream. You know, I think it would be really cool to have, obviously going into an urgent care is one thing, but like imagine if a chiropractic office literally opened and had two sections. One was urgent care, or urgent musculoskeletal care. And the other one was like your, your classic supportive care, your classic, you know. Internal medicine. Exactly. Yeah. I have the flu, I have, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I wonder, I would wonder just thinking about it, like when you look at the the percentages and the numbers because when they say like 70 percent of the nation will experience back pain at some point in their life yep it's you know? it's a uh, 80 percent globally i believe for low back and then when you factor in mid back and neck i think the numbers in the low 90s which is wow. absurd, absurd. <laughs> yeah and to think that we don't have that approach of of immediate direct musculoskeletal care as a you know for urgent care mm-hmm 
that it's focused more on internal things because I'm wondering what would be the bulk of what shows up to an urgent care pain, uh, mm-hmm. most of which is going to be musculoskeletal in nature, right? Yep. Respiratory That's, infections are on the list for the top ones as well. Yeah. What um, else? It's respiratory, musculoskeletal pain. It's got to be like flu or illness. Yeah. You know, we have general coughs, colds, yeah. infections. And then I, I believe small wounds like stitches and things like that too. That sounds, that sounds legitimate. But I just wonder what the percentage of the people walking in, you know, if we say for every hundred patients, what is the percent that are internal medicine mm-hmm. and infections? What percent are small wounds? What percent are musculoskeletal pain, man, I can't believe that that percentage is, it's can't be below like 30%. I mean, oh, yeah. a, like no a huge way. slice of it, right? Yeah. Huge slice. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like everybody, you know, 80, 80, 90% of people get back pain. How many times in their life versus how many times in your life will you get the flu mm-hmm. once every three to five years? And I would be, I would say like, well, recurrent back pain or chronic back pain occurs more often than that. But let's say initial bout, of pain for musculoskeletal condition. I bet it's every three to five years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and I would also be interested if taking that slice of patients and then after they go to urgent care, asking them if they're satisfied with their, you know, results of that visit or contacting yeah. them two weeks later and asking them if they're satisfied with the patient care <clears throat> that they received pre and post the addition of chiropractic. I think that would just open up a lot of eyes. That's interesting. Should approach our friend uh, Bill Morgan over there at uh, Parker University because that sounds like something they would be interested in researching as well because they're yeah. getting that big research department going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I think too, uh, one thing that I always, easier reminding me, if anybody listening, if you were to approach uh, urgent care and Rebecca, I'd love your perspective on this. One of the best uh, kind of thoughts I ever heard about this is um, Jason Holm. And I don't know if you've, interviewed him, mm-hmm. but he's incredible. Um, he was saying he would go to these MDs in their offices. And what he realized is most chiropractors go in there and say, I can treat all types of musculoskeletal pain. But the person in front of you is really an, a specialist in most primary care offices, a specialist in like primary care and internal medicine, right? So they don't really have a perspective of how can I tell if something is musculoskeletal or viscerosomatic or referred pain from an organ or does this cancer, is this a heart attack, right? So he went in and said, don't send me everybody that has pain. Send me just two people. If they, if they bend their head back and it hurts, you know, so he like encouraged them, do this active test, lean your head back. If that makes their neck pain or headache worse, that's a perfect candidate for me. They lean their head back and it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then he said, if somebody can't touch their toes and they have low back pain, that's a perfect candidate for what we do. And I thought, what a great perspective, because if I go to you and I, and I say, Oh, Rebecca, we can, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of an analogy inside of a, of a house. So we can clean your entire house is like, man, that sounds like a big commitment. And I don't know what you're really good at. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. Listen, we're just going to clean your area rugs and we're great at cleaning your area rugs. As soon as we clean that. And then we also clean around it. You go, Oh, I, I trust this company. I like them. I, you know, we work well with them. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And so he gave them that classification or organizational system to say like this section of people. And it was almost like a small commitment that exploded into, Oh, if there's pain, Jason's the guy that'll handle pain. Right. Like I send like everybody that. to. Yeah. But, um, have you, have you noticed a trend with the explanation or like 
thin slicing it for patients or for, for providers to allow that starting point, the, the folks you've talked to and listened to. Just like how I describe referrals. Yeah. Um, I think, it, I mean, I've only been in practice five years and I think it's a lot easier now to do it than when I first got out. Um, I think I had to fight a little bit more at that point, but, um, I've learned that actions tend to speak louder than words as well. So I think you're right. If you can kind of give them a nugget, like, Hey, send these two kinds of patients to me. And then if you, you know, send them your progress notes when you're done with that patient and discharge them, mm-hmm. them seeing you do something actionable that resonates with them, that's going to just make you go up higher in their book. So for example, all of the medical providers I work with currently through my practice, they know that a patient's going to come to me. I'm going to get them better as quickly as I can. And then I'm going to discharge them and let them see me as needed. They like that. Every other chiropractor in my city, like 90 plus percent, they're not going to get that. They're going to be recommended 60 visits a year. They're going to be recommended to pay three grand up front. Um, And that doesn't matter to a medical provider. They want to know that their patients are going to get results and have a great doctor patient experience. So if you can show them with action that that's exactly what they're going to get, they're going to keep sending patients to you. So that's That's personally the biggest difference for me. Um, in, in terms of verbiage, I haven't changed a lot of the way that I talk to the medical profession. I, I honestly think they like to see that there's similarities between us. So when I send over my soap notes, they're identical, if not, to be honest, better than theirs. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't cookie cutter things. Did you purposely like, uh, mimic a, what you know as a soap note from a, a medical so, writer? So by accident, because all of my training was at the VA. Oh, <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> so to be honest, my soaps are, I mean, my soaps are very similar to any hospital note or, yeah. And I also use Cairo Spring currently for EHR and that's kind of like their default setup. Um, they, they're extremely compliant with the way that they have their things set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very hard to make a bad note on Cairo Spring, which is kind of nice. Um, and then, yeah, you know, since I graduated, my notes have just been like that, which I think is helpful. So if you mm-hmm. are listening to this and you're trying to create better relationships with these providers and you're sending over your notes, but not really getting anywhere, I think you should reevaluate what you're sharing with them. Um, take your chiropractic hat off for a second, look at your notes and say, Hey, if I know nothing about chiropractic, does this piece of paper make sense? Because guess what? If it doesn't make sense to a nurse, if it doesn't make sense to a pediatrician, they one, they don't care about you sending it. And two, they're going to look at you like, who does this person think they are? I'm not going to send my patient to them. Their notes don't make any sense. But it really matters. So I purposely try to use vocabulary that anyone in healthcare can understand. I I think that's a huge point that cannot be overstated because even in like the, you know, I teach the SFMA. I love the SFMA. It's amazing for classifying movement whatnot. But even in that, if I send you notes and you're not trained in the SFMA, I go, oh, multi-segmental rotation was DN and uh, the breakout showed that it was due to, you know, uh, 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 I'm trying to think here limitation of internal rotation or limitation of IR of the left hip, a nurse is going to go like, what what the hell is Mm -hmm. all this gobbledygook, you know? But if I Mm -hmm. say like, uh, pain was worse was turning to the left. So we worked on the involved structures. Okay. Like I can get that. And when you're talking about like these $3,000 payment plans up front and 60 visits, even if you believe that that's the care they should, let's just assume for a second that you believe that's the care they should get. Mm -hmm. That is 
different in its approach than the organizational structure that they're starting with. They would not bill a patient upfront for multiple visits. Mm-hmm. And that seems odd to them. So don't forget that part of it. Because even if you're like, listen, the only way we treat people is we put them on a plan and we do this. Like I, I can imagine, or I can assume that there's a situation where I would hundred percent agree with you that that's the best approach. However, trying to give them that organizational structure, or whatever is crazy. Like mm-hmm. they would be like, I don't understand. It's uncomfortable for me. Therefore I'm going to disallow it just because it's different and uncomfortable. Right. It's like, Rebecca, you have curly hair. My wife has curly hair. She was talking about like trying to find a hairstylist that quote unquote understands curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> don't understand, babe. It's so hard. It's so much work. That <laughs> and she finally found one, but I was mm. like shocked by going, oh, wow. I didn't realize that that would ever be, you know, like none of my male friends are ever concerned with it. Right. Yeah. But she was. And it, she wanted to find the person who used the right language, mm-hmm. understood it. And all that. And I think it's important when we're communicating with other providers that we do the same thing, like make it feel closer to what they're saying. Yeah. And if you want healthcare to be more cohesive and be more collaborative, we have to do mm-hmm. the same thing in return. So right. um, a mentor of mine at the VA, he always told me, um, Sean Neff, he, he was always about taking off your chiropractic hat and just looking at what you do through the lens of someone else, you know, do things that are ethical, do things that um, look good to a patient and also look good to other people. You know, everything we do, or for example, something as simple as side posture, like to us watching someone get side posture done, it's nothing, you know, we see it all the time. But if you're casually doing side posture in the middle of a highway, how many people do you think are going to, you know, turn and look at what you're doing and wonder what in the world is going on? That's why when we do something that might seem so easy to us or so common to us, we need to explain what we're doing. We need to let a patient know before we touch them in a certain area. I would do the same thing for a healthcare provider. This is called side posture. This is what it looks like. This is what I'm trying to do and explain what I'm doing as I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even tell you how many times in other fields too, we, we forget that there's a difference with professional lines between different fields and specialties. And if we want them to merge, we have to merge all of it. <laughs> yeah. My wife's, uh, my wife's a chiropractor as well. And she works with a lot of attorneys in her, in her role. And it's funny when you say that, uh, you know, in medicine and in law, there's a lot of, uh, mixture of Latin terms and whatever language. So yeah. we do the same thing, right? Like most of the uh, anatomical markers we know of are Latin based costovertebral junction is, mm-hmm. Last uh, and so trying to explain that, I always think of sitting at the Thanksgiving table. Like if your if your uncle who you see once a year goes, "Hey, my costovertebral joint was, is is sprained." What does that mean? You'd be like, "Oh, well, it's easy. Costo means rib, and vertebral means vertebrae or spine. So it's just where your rib and your spine meet." Blah blah. Mm-hmm. So she got an email one time from an attorney going back to the Latin they use, and I think this supports your point. Is they said, "Hey." All the all the email said is this case was de novoed, right? Yeah. And she's like, uh, "What does that mean?" So now you're like <laughs> sitting there, like, "Do I call him and say like, uh, you know, I have no idea what you sent me. Like, what does that mean? Should I know? Is that something?" And so that you know, just the Latin de novo looks like a negative, right? So she's mm-hmm. like, "I don't know. Well, I not. Does that mean I'm not getting paid on this? This was, you know, this is going to yeah. be." And what de novo means is it was like set anew or uh, start from start from new. And so what that means legally is 
it went through arbitration, the parties didn't agree. And so they're starting it back through that process, right? <laughs> so all it means is the email was just to tell her, it's starting a new, therefore the deadline we gave you before, don't worry about it. That's what the point of the email was. But never in any point did they say, the deadline's been extended for six months or don't worry about that deadline, you know, pressure's off. And, but their choice of words was to be de novo. And I think how many times do we do that in, in, you know, like, uh, God, explaining, explaining insurance to a patient, you know, like, yeah. oh, well, uh, this is a bundled charge and, you know, there's your deductible and this and that. We use those terms as if like everybody knows what they mean. And yeah. we got to think like, not everybody knows what they mean. So. Well, and you're great at patient communication, so you'll understand this too. But I, that's why I've always erred on the side of, yes, be short and concise when you can, but err on the side of caution too. When you explain something to a patient, use a mix of some more intelligent lingo and some lay lingo at the same time, because you never really know who you're speaking to. Some people mm-hmm. love to be talked to with big words because they understand them. They're educated. Maybe they know a little bit more about the medical field than you realize. And mm-hmm. then the reverse can happen too. Maybe someone is super, they appear to be very well educated, but they actually appreciate things to be explained a little bit more in depth. So if you mm-hmm. kind of find this nice middle ground, when you're communicating with people, you avoid that awkward, like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, right. why why did they talk to me like that? Or your wife, for example, she could have been like, oh, I kind of wish that they were a little bit more explanatory in their, in their messages. Sure. Some people like when things are short and sweet. So if you can kind of find that middle ground, you're safe with everybody. You have great patient satisfaction. Everyone's happy and you kind of win all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one of the studies we were looking at regarding patient communication said like, when you understand something, it's easy to have a verbal conversation. But the less you understand it, the harder and harder that becomes. Mm -hmm. So doing, I mean, the cheapest way to do it, I think, is there's two methods I I heard of that I was like, oh, that's great. Well, actually three. Number one, if you're explaining something to a joint, having a joint model and handing it to the person and being like, this is this and this is that. For your kinesthetic learners and your people that have a lot of questions, they'll twist it, they'll turn it, they'll, you know, tweak it. (laughs) But the person that takes it, looks at it, goes, nods and just hands it back to you. <laughs> like you can take that as a sign of I'm my my bucket of information need is filled. We're moving on. Okay? So that's that's one. great. I love that. The the other one I heard is if you uh, just draw something on a whiteboard, you know, just draw it and then you point, whatever. And they said the people that take the marker from you and draw <laughs> or circle are saying, I need more information. Yeah, like I don't yeah. feel comfortable enough yet. I need more from you. And then finally, uh, somebody said, if you, if you think about, you know, in most offices for any kind of healthcare, you're going to have like five to 10 diagnoses you give more than anything else, right? Sprain mm-hmm. strain, for example. So if you just put together a few simple, like a Google slide presentation, these are the three slides I show everybody with, um, you know, just pictures, anatomy, explanation, yeah. video, whatever, but just three, we're not talking about a huge presentation, just three that you can do in about a minute and a half to mm-hmm. two minutes. Again, some people just look at you, go nod and go, hey, thank you. And some will go, hold on real quick, swipe back one. All right, now that person needs more information. And in that case, it's probably worth it for that patient to invest that time in communication explanation rather than more hands-on care. They will never feel full of explanation if you're just doing the hands-on care. But you Mm -hmm. could talk about things for a long time and then be like, all right, Rebecca, lay down, side posture, boom. All right we'll see you next time. You're like, 
that was the greatest visit of my life. <laughs> Somebody finally explained what's going on, you know? Those so, were so many good nuggets. I like all of that. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, we are at the end of our time here, Rebecca. And I know that uh, it's a Friday, so I want to allow you to, some time to get with your family. But once again, share, uh, share where people can dig into your podcast and, and what you're all about. And if you don't mind, just recap those one, two or three pe- uh, episodes you think they should listen to to really capture the flavor of your, um, of your Better Doctor project. I think it was, let's see. The dentist, in, let me see if I can remember, the dentist in Colorado, that was <laughs> yep. recent. The nurse uh, who made you feel like you could go out and do anything. And the third one was, ooh, I can't remember the third one. Do you remember the third one? So you're good. I actually only mentioned the two. So you're stellar. Oh. And the, yep, okay. so you're, <laughs> and oh, the third thing was everybody feels like we're all getting slighted and we're all yeah. backed up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as he said, better doctor project, you can honestly find it anywhere. So the common ones are going to be Apple podcasts, uh, or Spotify, but literally anywhere you listen to podcasts, just type in better doctor project will pop right up. We also have a website, betterdoctorproject.com, and an Instagram page that is at better doctor project. Nice and easy. Um, feel free to follow us and dig in for more information. That recent episode with the dentist is called the Enneagram three for the healthcare provider. That is going to be our latest episode that you can find. And then then all the way back to some of our older ones, um, you can find that one with Claire Phillips, who's that really, really incredible nurse. If you, her name. Yeah. yeah, if you want to be inspired, let me tell you, she is going to be the one to do it. Um, we did a couple episodes with her, but the primary one is going to be called Healthcare Hierarchy and Systems Thinking. I highly recommend you listen to that one. It is it's crucial for chiropractors, um, hospital administration, MDs, even like an MA, anywhere you're at. If you listen to that episode, you will be inspired to literally change the world. So I will leave you with that. Feel free to tap in. And if you have any questions for me, I'm always happy to be reached out to and to chat. Fantastic. Well, Rebecca, this has been an absolutely great way for me to finish my Friday. So I really appreciate your time today. And on behalf of Dr. Rebecca Deo, this is Dr. Josh Eilley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.